right? For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Now, as we pick up here, verse number 4, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Just to sort of introduce this next section, Butler writes, In view of this prophecy of the coming of Christ, the believer's conduct is to be affected. Prophecy comes with application to conduct. Revelation comes with responsibility. This look into the events pertaining to the return of Christ to the earth, which consummates our age, was followed by some appropriate exhortation concerning the holiness of the believer's conduct. Now, this is something that is not new to us. We've talked about this over the past year, truly, uh, if we look back at different messages and things and, and series, the importance of this. God, by His grace, reveals and faith now responds. When God gives us this revelation of what we see that Christ is coming, it is not simply for us to chalk it away in our mind, to stick it in our mind and go, okay, well, Christ is coming. It now means that there must be an application of it to our life. If Christ is coming, right, and let's go ahead and get the if out. Since Christ is coming, right? Since Christ is coming, this means my life should look a whole lot different than it perhaps does right now, right? It should much mean more that we are more active, more involved with the local church, with our families, with our homes, with our Bible study, with prayer, that we're more dependent upon the Spirit of God because we're living and walking in days that are evil and getting more and more dark as we see in this passage. And what we find is that we absolutely need to have this application in our life. Now, there's many who look at these doctrines like eschatology, the study of the end times, and they don't find it to be the practical doctrines, right? Well, here's the issue today that we run to and fro is that so many, so many run here and there and what they want. And here's what the the cry of the age is that I hear, at least from from a pastoral perspective. We just want the practical. Well, I often ask them, what does that mean? You tell me what practical means, right? Here's the practical thing. Everyone in this room uh, who is saved today, right? Let's, Let's go ahead. Are you saved today? Amen. I hope that you're trusting Christ. If you are saved, right? And and rather even since you are saved, since you have been born again, I don't have to teach you and tell you that you must pray and read and uh, come to church, right? Or, or, Or give or support mission. These are natural things that the Spirit of God has already placed upon your heart. You know where you first found that bread of life, the moment of your salvation, and you know you must go back for more. As a matter of fact, you have a new nature within you that desires that food, that desires that spiritual nutrition. So the issue is that we have made today the practical things to be the homework things, or the tell me really what we've made practical theology is we've made it the law again. Now, you and I are not under the law, we're under grace. Now, here's the the thing. Though we, uh, though we see that we're under grace, it does not give us license to disobey God. Rather, it gives us the enablement 
to obey God. Now, what I mean by this, that we have made practical theology into the law, is that we have made practical theology the most important theology, and we often justify our salvation because we are doing A, B, and C. We don't justify our salvation because we are doing A, B, and C. We justify our salvation because Christ, A, has came and died, B, was buried, C, rose again, right? If our salvation is not based on the gospel and it's based or justifying it based upon what we are doing, there is an issue. Now you say, well, doesn't it matter some of what we're doing? Absolutely it does, because if you're truly born again, there will be real fruit of faith. Notice that when we talk about um, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, it is not that we're trying to gain these fruits, but it's that if the Holy Spirit is indwelling a believer, this is the natural fruit that follows. Now the issue and the reason why we don't often see those fruits in our life is because in those moments and those times we are choosing to do things in the flesh and to live by the flesh and to live by our own knowledge, by our own wisdom, by our own intellect, by our own abilities, by our own strength. Well, that's not living in the Spirit, which means it will not be a fruit of the Spirit. Now, say all this to show us the importance of this passage. He, there's one little thing that Butler said that I, that I love. Revelation comes with responsibility, right? When we respond to the revealing of God's Word, that's application. Now, I can preach application all day long, but unless you apply it to your life, it doesn't matter what I preach, right? Unless we go home and obey the Word of God, it does not matter what we hear. It doesn't matter who preaches it, how it's preached, right? We've got to understand that that responsibility is given to us. And we are responsible now by grace through faith to trust the Lord to daily live for Him. Our position in Christ leads to our practice, right? That, that is the whole flow of things. And so what Paul is doing here to the Thessalonians is he's saying, because Christ is coming, your life must look like this. And really what he's going to get into as we see more and more in this passage, and we'll get into it today in verses 4 and 5, he's going, because your nature is this, or because your position is this, practically this is what that looks like. Here's what we do though. We get the cart of practicality before the horse of position. And we've got to understand that the reason why we behave this way because Christ is, is because we are in Christ and He's coming again for those who are in Christ. Right? So because Christ is coming for those who are in Him, those who belong to Him, therefore my life will look like this. Because, now let's get into verse 4 and 5. Because, Ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Notice, here's our position at the end of verse 5. We are not of the night. So that's, what, that's the negative side of it. What's the positive side of it? That we are not of the night nor of darkness. So therefore, you look at the first portion. You are all the children of light. So we are positively of the light, which means negatively that we're not of darkness. So this is our position, which means naturally that practically our life will look like light. It will be light. You cannot be the light uh, of the world or in the world or to the world unless you have been saved and trusted in the true light of the world. That's Jesus Christ. And so we find that we're merely reflecting the light of the sun, 
literally. Paul expresses here in verses 4 and 5 the position in Christ in relation to the coming day of the Lord. Now, here's what we could do. We could do this today. We could go, all right, because Christ is coming. And Paul could have done this, but Paul didn't do this. Paul could have said in one short letter, I didn't come with bad reasons. I came to tell you and remind you once more that Jesus Christ is coming again. Therefore, your life should look like and do all these things. Here's a list of 30 things that you've got to do, Thessalonian church. He doesn't do that, does he? What he does is he says, remember who you are in Christ. Because unless we know who we are in Christ, we will never live the Christian life. Unless we know who he is, we will never live for him. Now, look at this as we go. We must understand that the foundation of our practical life is our positional life. Sadly, and here's the mistake that we've made with discipling people. When we disciple new believers, what we do is we give them a list of things that they're supposed to do now. Instead of showing them who they are in Christ now. If we show their new character, their new nature, and we show them who they are now in Jesus, these things will naturally follow. Right? Now here's what happens though, is we get someone saved and we go, alright, we've got to disciple them. So, we tell them, now you've got to do, wake up in the morning. Try not to sin within the first 10 seconds, right? That's pretty hard sometimes, right? <clears throat> if, you, if you manage that, wake up, pray, and pray good. Make sure you pray good, all right? Pray, pray sincerely. Then, get up, go to your coffee table, read your Bible, right? Study it good. You better know it, right? And you better. You better. Then, pray some more. Eat some breakfast. Pray before you eat breakfast, right? <laughs> That's right. Don't forget that one. Because we at least got to get that in. Make sure you pray for your meals, right? Then go about your day, do a good job, be a good testimony, try to witness, make some money so you can give back, all these things, right? When you get home at night, make sure you pray for dinner, uh, and, then, and then pray uh, when, when you go to bed, right? We give them all these different lists. And then if it's a Wednesday or a Sunday, make sure you go to church, right? If they're having an event, go to the event. If you're, they're witnessing, go out for witnessing, whatever it might be, go, right? And they're like, okay, got it, Right? And we've just given them a whole dictionary of stuff that they got to do. Now, you ever wondered, and let me ask you this, and this is pretty simple. It was a little different this morning. Are those things that I just said, are they bad things? Well, no. Are they the right things to do for a Christian? Yes. But why? Because you're just supposed to? No. It's because this is now who we are in Christ. Right? So here's the thing. We've got to see that. And this is what happens in many disciples' life, in many Christians' life, is that they stay so stressed about trying to do all of these things that they now have put themselves back under the law that they've made themselves. And truthfully, to a degree, a law that the church has made themselves. But we've been set free. Not set free to not obey, but set free to obey. It is because of who we are that we may now freely serve the Lord. Now, our practice must and may only flow from our position. Let me break this example down for you as we look at these verses. We see the light. We see the darkness. He says this, But ye are, <clears throat> but brethren, are, you are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Well, let's break that down pretty simply. If you're in the darkness, right, if you're lost, he's already told us in the previous verses 
That day when Christ comes, it's going to take you like a thief in the night. It's going to take everything from you, right? You, you will be demolished, right? You, you will be facing an immense loss. Then he goes on to say, but you are children of the light and the children of the day. Meaning this, because you are children of the light, because you are children of the day, your life will look like the light. Have you noticed that? When I always remember, even I still do it now, I remember doing it as a kid, still do it now. When it is daytime and you get to see the moon, I, I love that, right? That, that like nice, I'll paint the day for you. The date is March 14th. It's not quite a hot spring yet, but it's not quite still cold winter, right? It's a beautiful day, about 62 degrees, which is nice as a high, right? The wind is a nice five-mile-an-hour breeze, nothing too crazy. No clouds in the sky, and you happen to, to look up in the sky, and there it is, right about there, right? You can see the moon. And you go, oh, that's the moon. And you go, I'm not supposed to see that at night. Matter of fact, I remember being a kid and going, wait a minute, wait a minute, is it nighttime? Because I see the moon. My parents go, well, no, it's daytime because there's the sun, right? Now, we've got to understand this. With verses 4 and 5, we see those who are part of the light, who walk in the light as he is in the light, those who have been born again, that is now our nature. That is what we come from, the light. The moon, the darkness, the stars even, the, the, the creeping of the night, the danger of the night. It's no longer a part of our nature. It's no longer a part of who we are positionally in Christ. We are different. Now you say, well, what about the old man? Well, the old man, the old flesh is still there, wreaking havoc, always attempting to get us to go back to that darkness. But here's the thing. If we are in the light, we should want to stay in the light. We're designed to want to stay in the light. That is our new hunger. That is our new desire. Now, those in the flesh must and may only practice fleshly things, for they know not the spiritual. Those in the dark, they will only do dark things. There are plenty of folks who are lost, who will go to church. They'll outgo to church, right? They, they, will, they will go to church more than other church-going people, right? They will give more. They can do more. They can serve more and still be a little shadow on a pew. Just darkness sitting right there, right? All they actually are bringing to the table, to the church, to their own life is darkness. But they don't know it. Now, the other end of that is those that are saved. There should be a glow about us, if you will. Our life should speak of the light of Christ. Those in Christ who live by the Spirit through faith must and may only practice the Christian life by the Spirit of God producing fruit in our life. Now, faith obeys and lives in the light. Our position is in the light. Therefore, it is the most natural thing to us. The only way to be prepared for the day of the Lord is to have your position be in Christ. That means you must be saved. But those in Christ are fully prepared because God has provided all that we need to await that coming day. But we've got to understand this as well. You and I, in order to prepare for the coming of the Lord... Now, now, let me go ahead and pause here for a moment. I think you ought to have a pantry. And I think you ought to keep some canned goods, some extra batteries, and some water. I don't think you're crazy if you do that, right? 
Matter of fact, I w- I'm even of the opinion, I don't even think you're crazy if you keep extra ammo. That's not a bad thing either. However, however, I'm hoping I don't have to use any of it. I hope it all goes to waste. You know why? Because I'm planning that the Lord will call us out of here before that great and terrible day of wrath. Nevertheless, even though He's keeping us, and He tells us here plainly, that He's keeping us from that day of wrath, it doesn't mean we won't face hard times. So, have a pantry. Have some canned goods. Know how to do basic things to take care of yourself. Nevertheless, the best way and the only way truly to prepare for the day of the Lord is to know the Lord. Bullets and bunkers won't do a thing if you don't know God. Plain and simple. You can have all the canned goods. You can have a grocery store in your own basement. But if you don't know Christ, when He comes... He will destroy more than your storehouse. Right? Now those, though, who are in Christ, we are fully prepared. I can tell you this, even to the Christian who may not be able to buy a bunch of ammo, and at this point, most of us can't because it's still way more expensive than it ought to be, or canned goods or anything else for that matter, I want you to know this. The Bible is still very clear that the Lord will take care of His own. Right? I can trust in his, in his provision. If I can trust that my position is in Him, then I can trust that my provision is in Him. If I am in Christ, He will take care of me. He who has begun a good work will complete it. The One who saved me holds me and will do so until the day He pulls me out of this earth. So therefore, we may trust in Him. So we're the most prepared people that there are. Did y'all ever watch that show? I think it was on Discovery Channel, Preppers. I watched it, right? It was interesting. You get all sorts of crazy people out there. They, they got, they, they'll throw hundreds of thousands of dollars a year into their stuff. And then you know what happens? Every couple of years, they got to sit around as a family and for about two weeks eat nothing but MREs and canned goods because it's going bad. What a life. They live scared to death. Scared of their own shadow, scared of the news, scared of China, scared of Russia, scared of themselves, scared of everybody and everything. Has the Lord given us a spirit of fear? No, but of power, love, and a sound mind. A sound mind does provide for one's own family and does provide for the future if able, but a sound mind also trusts in the Lord who knows in his own mind all that will take place in our life long before he even said, let there be light. I'll trust in Him, right? And one commentator writes about these verses. He says about Paul, his readers were not in the dark with regard to these things. They had been taught about them before, but Paul meant more than this. His readers were not in the same group who would be surprised by this day. Their sphere of life was not in the darkness, but in the light. You can see that in Colossians 1.13. Instructed Christians should not be surprised by the dawning of this day of the Lord. They have been told it is coming. It will not take believers by surprise because they will by then be with the Lord. This is important. When we see this passage, he makes it very clear. But brethren, you're not in darkness. Meaning, what he's already said, you have no need there right unto you. You know perfectly that the day of the Lord so coming as a thief in the night. He says, if you're saved, you know what is coming. You don't know the date, but you don't have to. But you can see what is coming down the pipe. 
Now that's important. We live in a world, and, and let's be honest with ourselves, I love, um, I, I love living in America. I love that I was born here. I, I love that I, I live here. I love that I have the rights and freedoms here and all these things. I love all that we've got here. I've been to a third world country. I like it. Mission work for a week, that was, you know, nice. But guess what? I loved coming back here. Because there's no place like here. There really isn't. Now, I say that, but one of the downsides is we, even the most middle class, even the lower middle class of us, or even the poorest of us, we have been comfortable for so long, right? You figure, when's the last world war we lost? We're two-time defending heavyweight champs, right? We didn't even start those. We went and we finished them like that. We're not the, you know, we weren't the bully, and we went and we helped out, right? And then we kind of lost our way a little bit with some things. You can look politically, we've gone up and down. Spiritually, we've just gone down. Morally, we've just gone down, right? We're going, ooh, something's not, something's happening here. Economically, we've still done this, right? And that's normal for most economies anyways. But here's the issue. All the while, we've been comfortable. We've been safe. And we have often trusted more in the fact that things have always been good. So they'll stay that way. My whole life, except for pretty much 9-11 and COVID, we've been good. Now granted, 20 years of my 29 years of living spent at war. That's kind of rough, isn't it? You think about your lifetime, all the things that you've seen and experienced and all this stuff. I want us to understand this. I have Christians all the time who go, how could this be happening in our land? How could we have a whole month given to the LGBTQ plus movement? It is crazy. However, Paul says it's coming. And we shouldn't be walking around going, how did we get here? We know how we got here. We left the Word of God. We, we, we chose to be comfortable instead of doing what God called us to do, which is to be very uncomfortable for Him. We saw that whole thing where Jesus says, take up your cross, right? And follow me. And we're like, put this pretty necklace on or I'll hang it up on my wall, right? But Jesus is talking about dying to ourselves daily to be expendable for Him. We don't like that near as much because to be honest, it's not near as fun in our mind, not for our flesh. We like comfort. I love being comfortable. You know what I'm going to do when I leave here? I'm going to take this tie off. I'm going to take this belt off. I'm going to take these uncomfortable dress shoes off. They're not that bad, to be honest with you. But you know what I'm going to do? And I'm going to put on comfortable clothes when I go home. You know why? Because I want to be comfortable. But comfort kills the life of a Christian. Comfort is an absolute killer. Butler writes this contrast in verses 4 and 5 of darkness and light. He says those that are in darkness, they're going to be overtaken as a thief. He says, but that's not who we are. He says, we are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. He says, uh, in Scripture, darkness speaks of sin and the sinner's position. Light speaks of the position of the believer who through salvation has been removed from darkness into light. Those in the light have escaped divine judgment, not only for eternity, but we also believe they have escaped the judgment at the end of the tribulation period, which is what the consummation is all about. Praise the Lord for that. I know that when I stand before God, and to be honest with you, it makes me fear 
every time I walk up here because I know I'm going to give an account for every word that I tell you. I hope that the Lord doesn't look at Cammie's book. She's wrote down every dumb thing I've said. She's probably going to write that down, right? <laughs> we'll have to ditch that one before I stand before him. But nevertheless, he knows everything. He knows every wrong motive. He knows every wrong word. He knows every uh, wrong uh, doctrine that I might have gotten wrong or thought I was right. All these things, right? He knows every bit of it. And I'll, I'll give an account for that. Nevertheless, I will still be able to enter eternity with him, not because of me being a good pastor, preacher, husband, anything, not because of any good work I've done, but because of Christ. So therefore, I know that is my position. It is safe and secure, and there's nothing that can change that. Only as He saved me, I believe, from eternal wrath, but He has saved us from that coming day of wrath. It's not meant for His people. It's not meant for His bride. Matter of fact, He calls His bride out of here. We looked at that the last chapter. And we see that throughout the Bible. Now this is about our identity. Do we identify with the darkness? Do we identify with the light? Now if we are saved, our natural identity, our new identity is that of the light. This is who we are. This is what we are, what we do. This is where we do it. This is when we do it. This is why we do it. This is how we do it. This is our entire life. It is who we are. Sorensen writes, In the knowing the light of the Gospel and the Word of God, we can discern the times. Though we know not the day or the hour, we can be aware of the Lord's impending return. The world in the meantime, however, is in total darkness spiritually. And we see that, don't we? The world is in darkness. They're going to stay in darkness because that's their position. But those that are saved should not walk around blinded to the world or the culture around us. As a matter of fact, we should be the ones who see these things. What startles me the most is not Target and Bud Light. What startles me the most is that Christians, they don't discern these things. They don't see. They've got blinders on. Don't see the reality of what things really are. Don't see the reality of the world around us. More importantly, they don't see the reality of who they are in Christ and what's coming. And so they live biting their nails and and scratching their head, scared to death of everything. That makes me more afraid than the world. The world is only doing what it knows to do. But the fact that Christians are not living in their new nature, there's one of two things happening. One, they don't actually have that new nature. Self-deceived or deceived by others. Deceived by works. Deceived by the devil. Or two, they're saved but have still yet been deceived to believe that everything is going to be just okay on this side of the grave. It's not. We've had, we think about this. We've got people who just lost a home. We've got people recovering from surgeries and illnesses and sicknesses. Uh, did anybody take a prescription medicine within the past 24 hours? Right? I mean, we think about this. Things aren't going to be good here. But they will be there. That's why we're looking forward to his return. He will make all things right that have been wrong in our life. Now, you and I who have the light, we have discerning eyes to see Christ to see His Word, to see the times and the seasons without having no date. Having our position being now in the light of Christ, we are not associated with the darkness of the world. There is a clear separation, not only positionally between believers and non-believers, but there is a practical separation of how we are to live our life. Now, when you start getting into that practical of how we are to live our life, here's what happens. 
We have some that run to the extreme of legalism and add to salvation. Or we have some who run to liberalism and go, well, because we're saved, you know, we can have freedoms and use our, oh, th- this, this wonderful phrase, our Christian liberty. Christian liberty for what? Notice the only time that our Christian liberty phrase is brought up and it is to defend something that is worldly. It plain and simple is. And I don't like it any more than, than anyone else that doesn't like it. Because I know that I use my Christian liberty to do the same. That's why I laugh at crude jokes when I shouldn't, right? And let's be honest. This is why we all have those things. It, it, you know what that thing in your life is that right now you go, the Lord understands, right? Amen? Right? We're all in the same boat here. If not, I'll be in my own boat and I know how awful I am. God knows. But with this, what we find is that when we start preaching about how we are to actually live our life according to the Bible, it makes the legalists mad and they say we're not taking it far enough. It makes the liberal mad because now they're saying we're being a legalist even though we're leaps and bounds away from them because we're going, we don't want nothing new with them. We don't want nothing new with that. And we're here and the Bible clearly says how our life is to look. The simplest way to put it today, this morning, is that the way our life looks right now, it should look a lot more holy. Mine included, right? Now, he says we belong to the light here of the gospel and therefore our lives belong to living and walking in the light as he is in the light. Our identity is no longer that darkness of the world. Now, I want you to know that there are many who think that their life was only in darkness if they lived some life full of alcohol and drugs, right? The sex, drugs, rock and roll lifestyle. No. Those who were saved in a Christian home were still at one time in darkness. Right? The Lord saved me from a lot of those things in my life. Praise the Lord that He did. I'm thankful. Right? I knew the stories that my dad had told me of the things that he had done that li- living in a dark world in a dark state. But the moment you got saved, it doesn't matter whether you got saved from those things, saved through those things, saved in spite of those things. If you were saved today, you were once in darkness and you've been translated into the kingdom of light. That's the beauty of the Gospel. It gives us a new nature. And one day, when we see Christ, when He calls us out of here, we will be delivered from that old nature once and for all. The moment we put off this flesh. Therefore, when we think about this, the Christian life seems so difficult in the flesh. And it, as a matter of fact, it's impossible in the flesh. But the Christian life is only possible when we see our position in Christ and we see his position of seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, and one day he's going to step down and meet us in the air and call us out of here. That's what we're looking forward to. Until that day, may we see to it that we live as people of the light, children of the day. The darkness will always be calling. There will always be whispers in the dark to draw you back. The light of the Gospel is far greater. Live in the light of who you are in Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we love You. We thank You for this time. And God, we're grateful that we can look to Your Word. We're thankful for the things that You've done in our hearts and our lives to deliver us from darkness to light. We pray, Lord, that today that we would live just as You've called us to, that we would live obediently and faithfully to You. We pray that now as we prepare our hearts to, to sing, to gather, to fellowship, 
Lord, as more come in to join us, Lord, as we become a body to, to gather together to worship you, Lord, may we do so in spirit and in truth. May we do so desiring to hear from your word that your word would change us from the inside out, that we would receive all things today by faith, do all things by faith today, and Lord, that you would be glorified and honored in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen.